Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Angel Deer is a medicine man and offers his work on sacred land through shamanic healing, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, plant medicine, and workshops and events. The Sanctuary is a community for all those who seek healing transformation, ancient wisdom, and a place to come together to create a new way of living and relating. This is the Sanctuary Podcast, and this is Angel Deer. So good evening, or good morning, depending when you're listening to this uh, recording or live. Uh, I'm really excited uh, today about this talk. The animal as allies remembering how to listen uh, with our dear friend, Casey Certain. And I met Casey through uh, another connection of mine that I think is on the call today. And uh, Casey is going to talk to us about animal medicine or animal spirit or animal as allies. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But I would like just to introduce her before we start so and read her, her bio. And you'll find all the link about Casey and her websites and what she does um, on the recording, uh, the description of our podcast, or if you're looking on YouTube under the YouTube video. So Casey has felt deeply connected to the Blue Ridge Mountain of South Carolina since childhood and began welcoming the friendship and messages from the animals since that time. Honing her skills through observation and education she also works to collect and retell the animals' cultural stories as they see fit. Her mission has been to aid in the universal process of learning, growing, and healing as we each acknowledge not only our own personal divine existence, but the divine existence and connection of each and every other being. After serving youth, we were from at-risk situation for seven years, Casey began to embrace our identity and role of not only teacher, but healer, working to explore, record, and share what the animals, plants, and land wish to share and teach. She now offers private session and retreats as an integrative healing art practitioner at her homestead in Walala, South Carolina, with her husband, David. She's trained in hypnotherapy, meditation, breathwork, yoga, aromatherapy, auriculotherapy, among other modalities. A great joy, however, is introducing individuals to their animal allies who have been working and wish to continue working with them in order to bring balance to their healing journey. Our own journey is assisted most frequently by rabbit, blue jay, fox, crow, and black snake. Hello, Casey. Hello, thank you for the introduction. So yeah, we use that photo of you with this rabbit on our event description. So that was where I wanted to start and go with. So was a rabbit your first animal you connected with, or do you have a special connection with this one? Um, it was not the first animal, but it, it is definitely um, the animal that has stayed with me as what I would call a lifetime ally. Hmm. Um Ironically, um, you know, my husband kind of jokes with me about this. Uh, all of my animal allies are tricksters. 
Um, and Rabbit is, you know, when you look at his stories across cultures, he typically is number one trickster, um, among others. But um, there is a lot of abundance taught through Rabbit, uh, typically through trial and error. Um, and so Rabbit has woven his way in my life in several situations where there could have been, you know, some devastating disasters throughout my life. And um, Rabbit Medicine has taught me that you can create abundance from potential disaster. You can learn from your mistakes um, and become a little more clever and quick-witted from learning from those. Um, but one of the ways that I help their animal ally is by asking them first, is there an animal that just draws you in? Is there an animal that um, you feel this deep connection to artwork with this animal? You just feel like you have to purchase it or you want to hang it up in your home jewelry with this animal. You feel like you need to purchase it and wear it. Um, stories with this animal are some of your favorite stories and so rabbit definitely across the board has um, really resonated with me. And um, so that, that animal is one of the, one of the ones that I honor most highly in my home. I love that. I always think of Alice in Wonderland when I think of the rabbit. Yeah, that's... And my husband likes to make fun of me on that one too, because I get a little distressed and I'm, I hate being late. It is, causes a lot of anxiety in me. And so he'll be like, I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. <laughs> um, and even things like Alice in Wonderland's rabbit will teach you lessons from the animal, no matter how modern or ancient the story is the animal is speaking to us and, and retelling their story. So let's like step back out a little because I want to kind of go into that tradition to work with animals and where it started. I mean, we know where it started, but kind of go back on the, on the shamanic stories and shamanic ways of shamanic journeying and working with animal allies. So many, many years ago, uh, when I was literally just dipping my toes into that work, um, I went to a shamanic journeying workshop and in that workshop, we learned how to journey with the sound of a drum and we went down and down and down and down into the earth and I started meeting some animals there. But what happened to me that one of the animals that I met first was the deer. And it's interesting to me because with what you were just sharing about, I've never really been obsessed by deer before that. And I never really looked at them. I never really thought more, more than that. I mean, I found them beautiful. I grew up, you know, in France on, in a forest where there was a lot of deers and those big, big stags that we have over there with big antlers. But it was not like an animal that I felt like connected or anything. But then when that connection happened, then I realized there was deers all around me. I didn't even have a deer head on my door of my house. That is a kind of the lock where you can bang on the door with it that I didn't even know was there. It was the door of my main house because I pass it in front of it every day and I didn't even realize the deer was welcoming me into my home. 
So does it happen that we have that connection or maybe we have people here tonight or that are listening that are like, well, I don't really know as many animals I'm connected. So is there that always that pull to one or two animals? Uh, I want to start with that question because for me, it fascinated me because I was like, well, I had no idea it was a deer. And in fact, I was not even sure it was a deer at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, um, not always. Um, there are a lot of animals, um, with, with clients who see me and are doing kind of a consultation who are interested in finding their ally. Um, we sometimes uncover really unexpected animals that they have never acknowledged before. Um, sometimes we connect with someone and the person is like, Oh, oh yes. that's my animal. <laughs> Like the rat, you mean, or the uh, mouse, or that yeah, kind of animal? Or the beaver, um, uh, the gorilla, you know, that, that one was surprising for someone. Um, so, yeah, sometimes your animal is not someone that you have connected with before or seems really far out from left field. Um, so that's not surprising, you know, that that you were that you met an animal who wanted to work with you and that really had no previous connection um so yeah there's there are many different ways to connect with your animals um or your allies not your animals but um like you did with the journeying um sometimes it takes that that journey where you set aside the time and you say okay I'm going to intentionally seek this guidance. Um, I'm intentionally seeking my companion or ally. And um, sometimes that's all we need. Um, you may find that you go into a meditative or shamanic state and you are able to find that connection that was unexpected. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm thinking of a kind of Western way of living was for most people, their the main interaction with animals are their pets, you know, dogs or cats most of the time. Maybe some birds when they go to the park a little bit. Uh, but in a more traditional way of living, you know, we are probably in interaction with more animals and more wild animals than pets uh, very often. So do you think the reason we kind of lost some of our wisdom as human beings because we lost that wisdom from that direct connection with the wild in general and not talking just animals but probably plants and trees and is this this attempt of animal to try to awaken us to remember ourselves like where does this come from because it can feel really weird that we have to connect to animals for wisdom for some people for me, it doesn't anymore, but at the beginning, it's a little bit weird that I need to go to a deer or another animal to kind of seek wisdom. Uh, do, do we know where it's coming from? Do you, have, do you have an explanation or at least a feeling that what is that connection about, really, if we, at the start? Um, yeah, so going back to kind of our, our modern culture, um, Absolutely, that we, you know, in times past, we had to observe to survive. Um, but it's also, it wasn't just for survival, it was just being aware of your surroundings. And so, a lot of times, if I'm trying to learn about a local animal 
or even if I'm not specifically looking for one animal, I just want to learn that day. Um, I, I go walk on our trails. So today, for example, I walked and I could hear woodpecker. And then when I looked for woodpecker, I saw blue jay. And, you know, I had that moment to observe. Um, and those are the moments when the animal teaches, you know, so with woodpecker being one of the common animals on my farm, uh, one of the lessons that he's taught me while watching is, um, you know, you hear him beating against the tree and there's this like heartbeat of life lesson. And then he goes from this tree to that tree and to, to that tree. So he's a hard worker. He knows what his tasks are, but he laughs while he's doing it. So he's not just working hard, but he's enjoying the labor. So because we don't always have the opportunity to observe today, you know, it's not a luxury that everyone has to walk out into their backyard or to the park to observe the animals. Um, we have this disconnection that occurs um, that was maybe more common for our ancestors because you were in more direct contact with the natural world. Um, so that's part of it. And then the other piece of, you know, why would you want to seek wisdom from the animals and um, what draws us, you know, what is that? It's almost like a collective conscious thing where, um, you know, even people who don't readily acknowledge that they're seeking lessons from the animals, they may still have a draw to an animal or they have this um, fascination with an animal. Um, I think that that's just the part of us that it could be ancestral, it could be just the human experience where we know that there are other connections that can be made and we're underutilizing our capabilities as spiritual beings to connect with all that is around us. So even though the natural world cannot communicate with us through verbal words of any language, um, they can still intuitively connect with us. Um, anyone who owns a pet can tell you they know how their pet is feeling. They can tell you without words that they are hungry or they are sick or that they're not happy. Um, so having a pet is the easiest reference I can make towards how to connect with an animal. It's so clear for pet that we do have a connection there. Um, we can communicate. Um, but on a more spiritual plane, it it does take a little bit of exercising of that intuitive muscle that, you know, again, it may be a luxury for some people. Uh, if you're so wrapped up in the routine of daily life and just trying to keep your head above water, um, having time for a practice, whatever that looks like, depending on who you are, um, listening and remembering how to listen can be daunting. And one of the biggest lessons that animals, any animal has ever taught me is um, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to sit and listen. 
Um, it's okay, like to be nervous and to question yourself at first, because, you know, modern society looks at you. And I mean, it was, it, it was scary stepping out as someone who has this intuitive ability to tell you, <laughs> like, this is the, what lesson rabbit wants to teach you. And yes, I have spoken to rabbit in a way that maybe I didn't see him and he opened his mouth and spoke to me, but I know that this is what he wants to tell you as an archetype and as a, an ancestral storyteller, um, that's scary to have that conversation with someone mm-hmm. because that's just not how we talk about things now. Um, further back down the line of my ancestors, it would have been a very normal conversation. It would have been a part of daily life. Um, And that's across cultures, no matter where your ancestors are from, they were connecting with the natural world in some way. And they had their stories that they passed down and um, all of the wonderful folklore and mythology you can find now. It's literally the animals teaching them lessons and them just taking the time to write it down and share it. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, there's always that feeling uh, of like, is this really speaking to me? You know, am I not making it up? Or even, you know, we see so many animals during the day. Sometimes I have people telling me where well, I saw this and then I saw that and then I saw this. You know, I, I, I don't know if they were already trying to tell anything or if it's just me seeing animals. So in Peru, so where my tradition comes from in Andean Cosmovision, they say that if you see an animal, it means the animal wanted to be seen by you. So they don't consider any act of seeing an animal as random. That is just the animal passing by. That was somehow the animal attempt to connect to you. So what would you answer to someone that say, well, yeah, but, you know, I see so many animals. I live upstate New York here in North Sea. So I'm going to see blue jays. I'm going to see woodpeckers. I'm going to see crows. I'm going to see hawk. If I'm lucky, I'm probably going to see some eagle at some point. So... How do we differentiate or is there any differentiation to be done or is this just this act of asking? I like what you said to say, well, here I have an opportunity. Someone wants to connect or it's just an animal that's passing by. You know, when do we make the demarcation of like, oh, okay, this is something really important happening here. Let me have a conversation to, well, I'm just living in the forest. And so there is a lot of animals there. Um, so Part of that first piece that you mentioned is asking, slowing down. Um, It's kind of like you said, I see animals all the time. I live on a farm. I live in a very rural area, um, everywhere. And I get a lot of the comments like you do where, um, you know, well, I see this animal all the time. It's like 20 times a day I see this thing. So first is just asking and acknowledging the presence. And even if all that blue jay is trying to tell you is to slow down and notice that there is this beautiful bird in front of you. um, If you don't read into it any further than that, you've taken a moment of personal time. How, how often do you do that for yourself? Mm. How often do you slow down And I apologize for my geese in the background, if you can hear them. Um, How often do you slow down and acknowledge what's around you? How often do you come up for air? How often do you become present? 
and fully embody the experience of being a human. Um, so that's part of it. There's also the part of that inner knowing where, yes, I may see 20 blue jays today, but then I see this hawk fly overhead and there's this part of me that my heart jumps or there's this inner voice that says that means something. Um, so there are deeper, in my experience, there are deeper levels of messaging that comes through. There may be a much more personal message that comes through. And part of that is having those previous experiences of if this hawk made your heart jump and, it, and this moment says this is important, stop and take a minute. What am I doing right now? What was I thinking about just now when I saw this hawk? Was I asking a question? Was I worried about something? Um, was I doing something I enjoyed? Or was I talking to someone who makes me uncomfortable? Um, really tuning in and being present. That is another number one message that the animals teach us, whether we're being present and observing or whether we're having to ask ourselves, why would that animal speak to me right now? Why would I see that animal right now? What was the animal doing when I saw it? You know, a flying hawk can deliver a different message than a hawk perched. Um, and so, again, I really encourage folks when, when they're developing their practice of communicating with the animals and listening, have some sort of writing practice. You know, I hate journaling. I'm terrible. I wish I journaled. Um, but it, I mean, it's really handy and I encourage other people to do it, but I'm so terrible. But if all I do is jot down, where was I, what time was it? What did I see? And what was I thinking about? I don't have to write a novel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it helps you go back and process. And I can sometimes go back a couple of days later and say, that happened and I was considering something and I made this decision. And since then this thing has happened, man, I'm really glad that I stopped to slow down and think about that meaning when that Hawk, you know, stopped and flew overhead my car. Um, so yeah. So let's, let's talk about that listening, that deep listening, because it's definitely not something we embody very well in our culture. I feel, in fact, that the whole process of connecting to nature in general and to the wilderness, animals and plants, is a very strong act of decolonization. That's how really I see it, because it's really reconnecting to ancestral roots and to a deep listening instead of a talking society that we are in. And I'm going to give you an example. So when I saw my deer the first time in that journey, I wanted it to speak in English to me or maybe in French, uh, but to speak words. <laughs> and the way he was speaking to me when I was asking questions was through changing of shapes and colors. So he was getting bigger. He was showing me different colors. He was literally speaking to me. So very visual mm -hmm. experience. And I was, you know, it was like 15 years ago and I was very much in my head and I very much wanted something more brainy, more mind-centered. And my dear refused to spoke to this day through another way than colors and shapes. And 
feelings, sensations in my body. So I felt like I had to develop a whole new language to communicate with my dear, like I would learn Chinese or, you know, Cantonese or Mandarin, or I would learn, you know, Spanish to be able to communicate with my dear. But that was part of his deeper medicine, which was to invite me to be in my body and to touch upon my feeling. And most people very often they say, well, yeah, I see, but I don't hear anything. Like you say, well, I'm talking, I'm giving you the rabbit message. And people are like, what do you mean a rabbit message? <laughs> you know, and I'm sure he's not speaking to you in plain English. So can you talk a little bit about that language of the animal and how do we find that language for us and that animal and how to really connect to that, which is something as a native person or someone that grew up in a forest, you know, in a more native culture will definitely know. But as for maybe Westerners or people that are not into those ways might be very difficult and that might be a huge uh, ego barrier or mind barrier to find the, how do I decode that message? <laughs> how do I understand? Yeah, so this is a challenge to us as human beings um, because like you said, we get stuck in our mind. Um, but we forget we are all of this. <laughs> we have the logical piece. We have the emotional piece. Um, we have our gut, our intuition, you know, and um, we're scared to visit with our feelings sometimes. Mm. Um, and so, again, part of the slowing down and being quiet, that's when those things come in that we've been pushing away and tidying up in a corner and saying, I don't have time to think about this right now. And so communication with animals um, really touches in with the heart and the gut space. Um, it, it is the part of communication that we are typically most uncomfortable with. Um, and so to give you an example um, you know, I mentioned gorilla earlier, and sometimes when someone is in, in communication with their animal, um, I may see the animal or I may feel the animal. And for this person, I could feel the animal and um, I could feel this large presence. Uh, in my mind, I could see this person and they were sitting on the ground cross-legged. And there was just this love wrapping around her. I could feel the maternal care and comfort of just something embracing her, encompassing her, cradling her. And I, you know, I was asking her, you know, I can tell that this is a large animal. I feel like she, it's a she. She's holding you. She's idling you. Um, can you tell me more about this? And um, it, it was a female gorilla carrying her through something that needed maternal love. And so she could feel, she, she kind of identified some of what I was saying um, and resonated with pretty much all of it. And told me her story behind it and what, she, you know, what this gorilla was comforting. And she was able to communicate with her 
after acknowledging this feeling of maternal love and comfort and communicating only by this moment of sitting with her, no words were exchanged between her and her animal. I, you know, I don't deliver a verbal message to her. Um, she was able to not only experience the emotion, but have a gut intuition of this is what she's talking about. This is why she's holding me. And in that moment, your logical side will kick in and the, the brain starts to fire off the memories or the stories or the realities that live in your head. Um, whether it's the story you've been telling yourself or that moment that you experienced yesterday or the moment that you lived 10 years ago, they start to come to mind for you when you're sitting with the animal. So when you're sitting with the animal and you have memories come forward or you have stories come forward or you have songs come forward, um, if it is a light, what, it, what is that color and that light representing to you personally? Um, there's so much personal symbolism that is involved with communicating with animals because the color blue may mean something totally different to me than it does to you. And every animal, you know, I have personal stories with rabbit. I have the cultural stories passed down from rabbit, whether it's from the Japanese culture or the Cherokee culture or, um, you know, the Celtic culture. They're all coming in together, but they all had personal experience with rabbit. And so my stories and the part of rabbit that resonates with me may be different for you. And so that's, as a practitioner, that's part of, while I love that people come to consult with me, and I highly recommend purchasing books that, you know, can start you off with that. Um, this is typically what this animal symbolizes. That's a great way to get started. But when you stop to listen and hear through your body, hear through your heart, hear through your gut, through your memories and your mind, that animal starts to tell you your personal story with it. And it starts to develop the messages and lessons that it's been waiting to give you. Um, and really tapping into your full being, your mind, your body, your spirit. Um, that is how you drop into being. Um, something I like to say, I wish I could remember where it came from. We're all divine beings having a human experience. And the animals are divine beings, their archetypes, their presence. They're sharing their experience across time, you know, the lessons that they have learned. We're a very young group of individuals as humans. Um, and so when they speak to us through all of the ways outside of written language and verbal language, um, they're giving us the opportunity to speak the way they speak to speak in one of the most ancient forms of communication to exist. Um, and part of that is just being still. Yeah. And, you know, it reminds me years ago in a, in another animal spirit workshop, there was a person that I was very resistant to the idea of animal communication and animal spirit. I think, um, he was there with his wife and I think his wife kind of forced him to, to come to the workshop, which, you know, happened a lot. We've seen that before. 
And, uh, you know, so he was playing along. And during the journey, you know, when people were sharing about their journey and what they felt, he say, oh, mine is an elephant. And, you know, it's rare that I've heard elephant. So it was interesting to me that someone had an elephant. And I was asking him about, you know, how did he see the elephant? How did the elephant communicate? He said, I never saw it. He said, I felt it behind me. And it's a little bit what you were sharing about the gorilla. And I say, how did you know it was an elephant? He said, because I smelled it and it smelled like an elephant. Yeah, and I was I like, oh, that's interesting. Say, so how does an elephant smell? I've never smelled an elephant. And he said, I don't know. Yeah. I've never smelled an elephant. I just know it was smelling like an elephant. Yeah. That's so that's our path. And I was like, wow, you know, that person was like, just got it. And that animal came for him in the most extraordinary, I felt, and sensory way for someone that was so much in their mind. Yeah. And that's what it takes, you know, when you're caught up in your mind. And I think that really is part of the reason they just flat out refuse to give you words because they're asking you to get out of your mind. Just this is where you question yourself. This is where you say it's not possible. But when you drop in and down and allow yourself to just, uh, I don't know, hit the pause button up here and allow the other pieces, like you said, you can know things without ever having experienced it logically, but you know in your inner deepest self that divine part of yourself that is a part of everything around us, some piece of him knew what the elephant smelled like because he is the elephant and the elephant is him. And somewhere, this is my personal philosophy, as being connected all together, we know ourselves and we know each other because we're all one. So of course we're going to recognize ourselves if we slow down long enough to mm. say, I remember you. I remember you. I'm just taking a breath with that because there's something really profound here and very beautiful. Um yeah. So it's like a way up, gut, heart, and maybe the mind after to see. It's kind of a reverse process that we use as Western society which is very mine and maybe sometimes we feel and you know our guts we kind of dismiss it oh no this is no you know we're thinking do you think it's uh it's a more uh feminine archetype of experiencing the world compared to a masculine archetype do you see it that way what do you think of that um when i think about masculine and feminine i think about feminine in the receiving sense and masculine as kind of the giving so I would say because um, you train yourself to listen to the gut first, there is this receiving, right? Mm. You're being given this feeling. Um, and so that gut instinct of receiving the message and accepting it is very feminine. Um, and I think of, you know, the, the giving aspect, the masculine aspect that's more along the lines of um, maybe what am I going to do with this information? What am I going to do with this lesson? So the sitting with it, the listening is the feminine piece, but there's, there always has to be balance. 
You know, you can't just sit with it and receive and receive and receive. You have to take that and do something with it, go forward with it, take action from it. And um, after you have received, what are you now going to give? Uh, This lesson was given to you. This message was given to you so that you could give back. Um, And that is like one of the greatest ways of honoring the gift that you've been given by any animal or plant or stone is you're not just supposed to sit on it, you know, and, and the act of doing something with it is scary. It is a challenge um, because oftentimes it asks you to make a change. Mm. Um, life-changing work is what the animals come to you, you know, whether you're going through a situation and you feel like everything is falling apart around you or, um, you know, you're just, uh, you're making a career shift. I mean, silly little things that we think, you know, like deciding whether I should quit my job or not. And then this animal appears and all of a sudden you just know. Um, so yeah, the, the feminine aspect is the sitting with the receiving the message the masculine aspect is the animal asking you, what are you going to do with it now? And um, how are you willing to share the gift? So I want, I want to go back. I want to go into that giving after, because I think it's often missing in our practices or even in our, in our culture and our society, but just to finish and wrap up around that feeling and that gut sensations, uh, you know, in the trauma field, um, I love the trauma work. And we say that sometimes our guts and our tra- traumas, our guts, sorry, and our intuition is very informed by our traumas. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have an intuition, but it's mainly driven sometimes also by fear or by something that happened to us. And potentially we all made, I'm sure, at least I did, gut decision that were not probably the best decision in mm-hmm. for my life. <laughs> Maybe it, there was a lesson to learn there, but you know, it was not always the best. So how do we, and I feel like people often ask that, you know, how do I know that this gut intuition is the, the really the wisdom of the animal speaking or not me making it up or trying to shape it in the way I would like the message to be? Because mm-hmm. I can read signs, you know, well, I know I'm in a wrong relationship, but I'm trying to find all the signs why I should stay. And then I'm going to stay forever in that relationship kind of twisting, oh yeah, I saw a hawk when I was asking and the hawk is telling me stay there. So I'm trying, I'm shaping the reality around me into, with my mind into, well, this is what it is about. How do we distinguish that? You know, because it's, it's a fine tuning. Is there deep healing that's necessary for that? Or can we really trust that gut feeling if we slow down enough? What is it? So part of that, um, it, based on my personal training, you know, the ego is the part of us who is in charge of protecting the child self. So the ego is like the warrior and it stands guard and there has been trauma in your life and this thing happened to you. And now I'll use the simplest example. Now you don't trust people and you don't let people in. There's a very uh, energetic, like strong energetic wall here. People get this close and then it's cut off and they don't really get to see what's behind here. And so the ego is standing here with his spear and he's protecting you. 
and your gut is telling you, don't let these people in because they're going to hurt you. Mm. So the, the healing aspect that comes in there um, first is to ask yourself, does this still serve me? Where does this come from? Why, why can I not trust this person? So again, and this is something that you typically have to have help with, right? There's, there's usually a healer what, in whatever capacity, whatever avenue you take, there is a healer. And they help you do the work initially, where it can sometimes take acknowledging, I'm not sure if this is my gut, or if it's fear from the ego, I want to make I want to distinguish, I want to discern the difference. And so you have to begin doing work with the ego and say, I really appreciate that you've been protecting me and that you've been standing guard here. And I want you to continue to be my knight in shining armor. I want you to continue protecting me. We went through this together. It's this together and you protected me, but it's no longer a threat. We don't have to guard against this anymore. So continue to protect my heart and let's allow the good people to come in. Let's start to think about what did we learn about the person who hurt us? Was there a situation? Was it a prolonged relationship? What were the red flags that you can help me uncover? So beginning to do that ego work, the ego can help you discern what the red flags are. So that the fear that truly is based, like it is protecting you and it is part of survival, you can still acknowledge those red flags. And when the gut says, no, this person is not good, do not let them in, that can be the true gut feeling and not the ego being fearful of all people because they don't want to ever get hurt. So they're not going to let anyone in. So there is work of healing that has to be done. You can start that work perhaps by yourself, but I always tell people try to find help because there's a lot of deep work that has to happen typically um, when you're trying to distinguish between gut and fear. Um, and it, it, if you're already questioning, how do I discern between gut feelings and what I just want to be the message? Um, you can get like a sense of how to do that. It's like flexing and practicing with a muscle. Um, and I, I typically, what I say to people, you know, to go back to what you were saying, well, and that this has really happened with someone before where they're in a relationship and they're questioning whether they should be with somebody and they see that person's name as a name brand in the store everywhere. And they're like, was it a sign? Was it not a sign? What does it mean? And I'm like, well, what does your gut say? Well, it could be an, uh, but and I'm like, no, what does the gut say? So they tell me what they think the gut says. And then I said, well, well, what do you think about that? Well, maybe da, 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 da. the, well, maybe the, the trying to logically squish this thing into the peg that it doesn't belong to. If you, are aware that you're doing that awareness is a big key piece if you are aware that you're doing that and drawing it back to the animals if you're asking the animal or your oracle deck with your animals a question and they give you an answer and you're like 
Well, that could mean a couple of different things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got a gut feeling about it. So tap into that and ask yourself. And if you're still trying to weave this totally different story, spend some time with it. Um, because you have to learn to trust yourself. Part of communicating with the animals is learning to trust that intuition and that gut. And it takes practice. One of the most difficult things that I have trained myself to do, and I still make mistakes, is listening to my gut to make decisions and listening to my gut when the animals have told me a very clear answer. Um, and it can be, you know, some of the most difficult messages that the animals will give you are around relationships and making changes. Um, and you know, you know, before you even ask the question, I would challenge you and say, why are you asking? If you have to ask, you probably already know the answer. That's kind of the, the phrase in our household. If you, if you have to ask, you probably already know the answer. Um, and that's just, it takes practice. And I'm sure everyone listening to this can say, I had a gut feeling about something and I really wish that I would have listened to it. You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Angel Deer. While you're listening, browse the website at www.thesanctuaryheal.com. Mm. Yeah, sometimes the answer can be very scary. It is. And, uh, and we don't really want to, and we're trying to find, you know, in the plant world or the animal world, something that's going to justify staying in that little closed box. And, you know, I mean, I've done that. I'm sure we all have done that uh, in, in our lives. So do you feel... Uh, like the animal at some point, if we don't listen, and I want to go into this giving back, if we don't act upon it, if we don't do something that they might go silent, that they might at some point, you know, I've, I've had that experience before where people keep asking and at some point they say, well, my guide are showing up. It could be a spiritual guy or an animal guide. And he's just very silent now. He's not telling me anything. Not that they are angry, I think, or I don't think there is anger or things like that, but just that what well, it was given, you, you already received it. And mm -hmm. so I'm not, I'm not giving more here. Can you talk a little bit about that sometime? Like we keep, you know, asking and somehow the sign can go away and there's no more signs maybe, or no more speaking. Right. Um, and it's kind of like what you just said, we're communicating, we've established this line of communication. I've asked for guidance or I've asked my question or perhaps not even asked, but was just given. And I keep knocking on the door. Tell me more. Tell me why. Tell me how. Um, it's almost, um, you know, as humans, we're always problem solving. We're always asking questions. <laughs> We always want to know how something works. And that's not really how the rest of the world around us works. Mm. It's not um, <laughs> It's not that the snake gets into my chicken coop and eats an egg. And then I do something to protect against the, the snake. And it's knocking on my door, you know, like 
why won't you let me have your eggs? The, you know, the snake knows the answer and how to get on the, I'm going down a rabbit hole now, but, um, the, once you have your answer, there's nothing else to give, you know, you have to take that action. So we mentioned sitting and receiving you've received. Now you have to take it and you're a logical being. You can take that information and do with it what you will. You can listen to your gut um, and you can practice with that. You may try something and you might learn that that was not the right method with that piece of information. But once you've been given your answer, there's, there's no um, explaining why. There's no explaining how it's going to work. You don't need to know that. You don't need to know why. You don't need to know how it's going to work. You've already been given the the action item, so to speak. Um, it's kind of like when, when a child asks their parent, you know, can I go to the movies tonight? And the parent says, no. And the kid's like, well, why not? There are some parents who just say, because I said so. <laughs> and, like, and the parent knows their reason. They may know that they've got a surprise birthday party planned for that night. And the kid doesn't need to go to the movies because there's a surprise birthday party. Um, and so we have there is this real element of trust and letting go of control. We're so um, obsessed almost with being in control being at the top of the food chain has given us this um, complex almost of having to know all of the answers so that we can be in control. Mm. We're too young to be in control. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot more going on around us that we can, we can, um, make believe that we're in control of things, but we're just one part of the moving pieces. Um, and we can choose to serve our role in an authentic and honoring, respectable way. Or we can try to throw off the whole system and just go crazy and take our own route, but we're still going to get knocked back over. <laughs> you know, we're still going to get put back in line. Um, and those are usually the disappointments in life you know yeah, very true very true yeah someone say that if we think death is the end of everything in life it's just because we put ourselves at the center because it's not the end for right. everybody around us <laughs> it's yeah. the beginning for the worms and many others it's only yeah. if we place ourselves at the, the center beginning. yeah so we have this greater family of animals and my experience you know over the past 15 years is that i've developed a kind of a family of allies um, some are, you know, like the deer, you know, very present. Some are only coming to me when there is very specific thing that is needed for my life or my work. And I've even animals that just come for my work that they literally supporting specific skills, uh, for healing or ceremonial work. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because maybe people here will say, well, I have a lot of animals, but there's literally as we develop relationship, 
you know, like I know if I want to know something maybe about plants, uh, I might ask my friend Amanda, who is on the call tonight. And if I want to know about animals, uh, I'm going to ask my friend Casey. So we, we have this with the animals, you know, we can go to our allies there. So can you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, do you have these strange or four or five animals that you mentioned in your bio? And are they, are, is this the way you work with them? And is this the way we need to build basically our uh, mycelium of animals, our network of animals? <laughs> yeah. So I love that you compared it to people because that's one of the best ways to understand the relationship is um, everyone has their strength or their talent. Um, and so when you, need help doing something specific or um if you know that a certain animal has come to you at a certain point in your life you can reach out to that animal and the the as i began to develop my personal practice and how i wanted to work with individuals in kind of uh incorporating animals into their life to do spiritual work i sat with it for a long time and said, and, and just openly had this conversation with the animals through meditation of how am I supposed to deliver this to people? How is this supposed to be packaged in a way that modern society can use it and understand it and it still honor you and it's not just like some marketed material? And the, the best way that they explained it to me was, um, so the ancestral allies are going to be animals that travel with you throughout your family line. Um, you have a situational ally or multiple throughout your lifetime where you're going through a circumstance or you're, you need an animal to help you with your profession or your career. And so that's your situational ally. And then you have a lifetime ally, um, an animal who has chosen you specifically in this time and place since your time of birth to your time of death, and it will travel with you throughout that, that lifetime. And um, so for me, my ancestral, one of my ancestral animals is fox. Um, it's through my reed side of the family, the reed heeds. <laughs> um, so the redheaded side of my family, I'm, I'm kind of an anomaly in my family. Everyone else has beautiful red hair and blue eyes. And then, uh, my, my father, whose last name is French. Apparently I have some French ancestry who gave me my, my coloration. Um, <laughs> so the, the reed heads or the, the reeds have this Fox and through meditation, um, I, tr I traveled, you know, kind of in this journeying way, this shamanic journeying path of, connecting to Fox and understanding which, like, where did you come from? What type of ally are you? What type of work do you do with me? And so this, this Fox has followed. I don't, you know, I, it's hard to tell time, but at least for my European ancestors, um, there has been this Fox who has traveled with us through the reed line um, who has kind of let us borrow the cunning survival skills. Um, there, there have been situations for my family where survival might have been challenged and we needed to tap into Fox's ability to plan and know when was the appropriate time to come out 
when was the appropriate time to stay hidden, mm. um, how to be resourceful. With your lifetime ally, you're going to see a lot of yourself in this animal. Um, you're going to have a lot of characteristics and personality traits shared with the animal. Um, the behavior of the animal in the wild uh, may mimic some of your own personal behavior. So as a rabbit person, when I become anxious or scared, I may freeze up, tense up. Um, there's also a story of rabbit being the fear caller. So anyone who has been around rabbits in the wild, um, they, they will actually scream uh, if they're in danger or in pain. And it, it kind of does the opposite where it brings in the predators even more so. So the story of rabbit being a fear caller is, um, you know, when it's in fear, it's calling in the issues. So as an anxious person, all I'm doing is worrying I'm thinking about all the things that can go wrong and I'm just calling in, I'm manifesting all of these things that I'm afraid of because I'm giving them weight. But if I can balance that, if as a rabbit person, I know that my tendency is to become anxious, that my tendency is to manifest these things that I'm afraid of because I spend too much time and energy pouring into them, I can become aware that that's what I'm doing. And I can say, well, what is the balance for that? Well, rabbit is about abundance. So I'm going to start showing gratitude for all of the abundance in my life. I am grateful for my friends and my family. I am grateful for the opportunities that I've been given, that I have even something as simple as, um, you know, I ate dinner tonight with my husband and I'm grateful for that. And so as soon as you find yourself in an imbalanced situation that mimics your animal, like for me, being anxious and worried, knowing the skill that that animal also teaches you through storytelling. You know, mm -hmm. Rabbit, in, the, in his storytelling, he learns from his mistakes by showing gratitude. Mm -hmm. And he's given abundance. You know, he's connected to... Um, being very fertile, he's connected to the springtime. Um, you just have masses and masses of these rabbit babies. That doesn't have to actually mean that you have many children in real life. What it can mean is that you have so many projects that come to fruition and you have this abundant offspring, these ideas that are your offspring coming and manifesting. So that's an example of a lifetime ally and how that animal teaches you in your own life. How can you take the messages that I've given you and actually practice the lesson? So if I've pointed out to you that, yes, you, you allow yourself to get into this hole, you go down the rabbit hole and you tell yourself these stories. Well, let's come back out, come back up to the sunshine and look around you, see the green grass. Um, with the situational allies, trying to think of my most recent one. A good one is um, Coyote is a very strong situational ally for me. Um, he comes back 
but he only comes back when um, chaos is about to enter my life. Well, he's One a trickster of, medicine, huh? The coyote. Uh, yeah, <laughs> more tricksters. They're all around me. Um, so pre-COVID, um, I have this on my Patreon, one of my meditations, but pre-COVID, coyote was just banging on my door. Um, we had not seen many coyotes on our property. And in February, um, they were beginning to come into our forest and there was a spike in the numbers of coyote. Um, there was coyote in my journeys. I had done some journeying with another practitioner and coyote very purposely planted himself at my life tree and I became coyote. Um, I, different pieces of artwork kept popping up. And so it was a little scary, you know, first of all, to have a pack of coyotes in your backyard, but knowing what I knew that coyote was saying, there's about to be a lot of chaos. Mm. There's about to be a lot of chaos. And one of coyotes lessons is that within chaos, there can be creation. Mm -hmm. Beauty can be created. Uh, chaos is opportunity. Chaos is asking you to wake up and realize that change is happening, but change is an opportunity. And um, th there was a lot of heavy messaging about life was about to change and it wasn't going to be just in my household, that there was going to be fear and misunderstanding. Um, and in the next month, everything with COVID kind of came to a head here in the States. And so it, as soon as that happened, that was when Coyote was like, this is what I was telling you about. Mm. Um, and this kind of goes back to earlier when you were saying, well, how do you know if it's your gut or how do you know you're not just like trying to fit the peg into the hole? Um, it was, a, it was very much a slap in the face of like, this is what I was talking about. Um, and so Coyote is a situational ally so that when I, when I see him, I know things are about to get chaotic. Um, first knee-jerk response is fear. But remember that Coyote gives you opportunity. That's part of his trickster medicine. He's the jester or the fool standing in front of the king acting out this fool's play to show the king the mirror of, you know, this is, these are the mistakes you're making and I'm just making, you know, good fun out of it, but this is uh, really a big issue. And that's trickster medicine across the board with all of my animals is holding up the mirror and showing you the truth in a playful way. And sometimes in a very annoying way. You know, rabbit likes to play tricks on others and steal things. And coyote is just kind of this clumsy fool who trips around. One of my favorite stories with him is he accidentally creates the stars because he's goofing around and trips and spills everybody's stones. Um, so you have multiple allies in your arsenal. Um, most people who explore working with animals will uncover multiple um, multiples and they will 
stick with you throughout your life, or they may only be there for a season. And if you work with an animal for a while and you draw close to them and there's a point where they go quiet, kind of like you mentioned earlier, um, it may be that they were only there for that season. And it's not because they're angry with you. It's not because you did something wrong. It's only because there was that lesson and that strength that you needed in that moment. And they're still there and you can still honor them um, and appreciate them. But you don't necessarily need them to step in for you right now. I don't always need Coyote teaching me about chaos. I don't want a chaotic life all the time. I appreciate him and I honor him, but I by no means want to deal with that every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just encourage anyone who has identified any of their animals already, ask the animal how are you here to help me? Um, and what can I do to honor you? Because it's not just about give me, give me. It's about um, acknowledging, you know, that that doesn't get done enough anymore where you acknowledge and recognize. Um, and I think that was one of the most difficult things for me to get past when I really started sharing animal medicine was, um, who am I? Who am I to share these words? I have no formal training. Um, I haven't had the honor and the opportunity to sit with an elder or a mentor yet. I feel like the day is coming. Um, but the animals just quietly hushed me and said, we're your teachers for now. Hmm. Where are your teachers for now? And, you know, when you ask like, well, what, what can I do in return? Like it's, it's a, it's a huge honor and the responsibility to be given, um, to share knowledge that hasn't been spoken of in fuller circles and modern circles in some cases in quite a, quite a while. And all they ask is just to tell the stories and just to acknowledge and, um, that they're not just, they're not just something on lower on the food chain, so to speak, that they're, yeah. they are beings and they are individuals too. So, you know, we have all those animals and they might come to us, you know, through journeying through, you know, the real world or the, you know, physical world, uh, maybe sometimes through teachers or, you know, ceremonial work and things like that. Um, what about the calling of specific animals when we need that balancing, you know, so when you were sharing about this balancing, you know, I have this beautiful example. So deer has been my, it's my life animal has been here, you know, for a long time and I work a lot with them. And one day, uh, Lenape elder came to visit me on the land. We were doing an honoring of the land for the old caretakers of this land. And when she arrived, she offered me a turtle medicine bag and I didn't know her never met her before I just invited her um and she tells me say you know I felt you have a lot of deer medicine and you need some turtle medicine to balance it and I was like oh tell me more about that she said well you know if you look at the deer the deer when something happened and he's afraid he runs away you know, really quick yeah. so his way to react to fear is to run away 
And the other things that the deer does, which is true because now I've, I've looked even more and I was like, oh, this is true. When the deer walks, it looks behind all the time. Mm-hmm. It always turns around and looks behind his back and he say, it doesn't look behind for fear. It looks behind to make sure everybody's following. Mm-hmm. He's always checking that everybody's coming with him. So he's leading from the front, but always by checking that people are, the other animals are following. He said, the turtle is different. When there is fear, she's going to go in. She's going to freeze in time, space and time and just go inside. And when she walks, she just looks straight ahead. She never like look around all the time. She said, turtle in our tradition is the best way to balance deer medicine. And one of the way to do that is to wear it on your heart. So you always have some turtle medicine to balance your dear medicine. And so she gave me that beautiful medicine bag that I'm using now. So for me, it was a big lesson from that elder. And he was like, oh, it's interesting because turtle never came in my journey. Or obviously there's no turtle here. I mean, we have snapping turtle here in, in New York state, but we don't have a lot of turtle running around. So what about the calling of a specific medicine? Because we know, for example, we have the gorilla or we have a snake and feeling, you know what, that medicine is a bit too strong or like the coyote example you gave, uh, the trickster medicine, and I want to call in something else. So calling out of the blue or like with an intuition, say, you know what, I need to ask this animal to come to kind of help me with skills I don't have or, you know, managing my fears or my creativity or things like that. Yeah, and so if you're, if you're just getting started, um, it may take some research on your end. Um, one of the best, one of the best ways that I have found if there's something in my life that I want to work with, I start to ask myself, you know, so let's say I, um, I want to feel more grounded well, what animals automatically come to mind for grounding? But then there may be something like, um, you know, that's kind of an easy one, but let's say you're about to go into a situation where your words matter and you need to be able to speak clearly to, to a large group of people and you want to be heard and you want your intentions to be clear and you don't want to be misunderstood you need an animal that helps with clear communication. And so sometimes, um, you know, we don't have the luxury of going out into our backyard and saying, well, which one of these animals clearly communicates? And, you know, I can definitely tell that it's this animal. Um, sometimes it's fun to challenge yourself to research what animals are known for communication. So you can think about, um, you know, for me, crow, is communication. It's one of the few birds that can, you know, people think about parrots saying words, but crows can be taught to speak like that. Um, Blue jay is a perfect example of communication, but I would not want to call on blue jay to help me communicate to a large group of people clearly and um, authentically because Blue Jay is a trickster who likes to mimic things, right? So he's not always very um, clear and honest with who he is. And he's a bit of a bully now. I find the Blue Jay a little bit bully with the other birds. <laughs> yeah. 
the very aggressive bird. And so you would never want to call on him in a group situation. Um, so that being said, if you have already identified something in your life that you want to work on or address with animal medicine, um, have fun with it, research animals, or if you are lucky enough to have people in your area who have a tradition with animal medicine, um, seek the balance and the, the gifts that these animals provide. Um, I also love that you point out that uh, if you've already identified one type of animal medicine that is you, is yours to work with, um, challenge yourself to explore what would balance those characteristics within that animal. Um, so just like uh, the deer and the turtle are paired together, you know, people listening to this now can say, well, if I'm very flighty and I need to be more grounded, you know, turtle ha keeps her belly on the ground. Um, and she listens to the earth and she can feel that heartbeat, that drum. And so as you move forward, trying to balance the animal medicine within you, some pairings are very clear. You can find them in stories. Rabbit and turtle balance each other out really well. Um, and that's a very common theme for a couple of different cultures. Um, so yeah, I think if you, if you um, do a little bit of research and have fun learning about animals in general and their habitat, um, that's a really good indicator of how to balance out your own personal characteristics or emotions or challenges that you're facing in your life. Um, I very much like to tie together science, observation, the storytelling and the traditional practices, um, your own personal understanding, allowing yourself to listen and develop your own personal understanding. Um, those are all ways that you can explore how to balance. Um, mm. I like that. So, you know, we have like a little bit of time left, five minutes or a bit more, but I would like to talk a little bit about the honoring beyond just gifting. Because mm -hmm. I feel sometimes, you know, it's it's really missing. I know that when we work with plants, you know, we usually bring gift, we offer tobacco before picking up the plants. We even tell the plants, you know, what we want to use it for before we pick it up. Uh, we enter a relationship. And there's really an honoring of that plant in that moment. So when it comes to the animal, um, you know, a teacher told me one day, uh, he said, well, one of the way you can honor it, it was a native teacher, is to do shape shifting with your animals, is to lend your body to the spirit of that animal. So to put some music, to close your eyes, and to call the animal and tell it, it can use your body to have a a physical experience so that spiritual allies landing your body for five or 10 minutes add some profound experience by the way the animal entering me and and seeing the world smelling the world through that animal being inside of me uh but is that a way to do it or you know obviously it's one way but is there other ways that you see well and i don't do that very often by the way i was like talking about it now i was like oh i should do that more often for the deer but is there other ways to honor the animals, give them food, 
uh, I don't know, doing other things, you know, to protect them, to defend them, things that we could do uh, that really honor them, that we really say, you know what, you give me, you give me so much that I really want to give back, not only listening to your wisdom and acting upon it, but we do more for you. So what are those ways of honoring those allies? Um, the, the way that you just mentioned, um, I will say it's a little intimidating allowing the animal to come in. And um, I think the first animal I experienced that with uh, was snake. And when you are, so it was, it was a dance. I did a snake dance and it involved like this really beautiful scarf. And so I just like danced with the scarf and played the music. I was completely by myself. And um, you just, uh, you invite and allow that, that moment of time, like you said, and you know, you can be very clear, like I have one song and I want to share this song with you. Um, and so if you're comfortable with that, allowing dance to come through you with this animal, um, honoring the parts of that animal, the characteristics of that animal in your daily life. Um, so I think about, you know, deer medicine can be really difficult for some people because sacrifice, gentleness, grace, patience, these are um, words that masculine energy typically does not identify with. And welcoming deer medicine, that side of deer medicine into your life and asking yourself, in a moment of conflict, can I honor deer with grace? Can I be gentle in this conversation with this person? Mm -hmm. And so that's another way, practicing the medicine in your life, um, the most difficult messages and lessons that they've taught you and honoring it in that way to show I do listen and I do use this even in the difficult times. Um, respecting the environment, um, creating habitat, um, here on our property, you know, we say that we're just stewards of the land. We don't own it. We're just stewards. And, uh, we have, <laughs> you know, this doesn't resonate for everybody, but we have a variety of live, um, live animals, uh, wild and not. And the ecosystem here, there are, um, you know, the coyotes, we have the turtles, uh, we now have armadillos, which are quite a nuisance sometimes. We have, um, oh, there's one other animal. Uh, I was just thinking. I guess you have the raccoon now also. Oh, yeah, we have the raccoon. Possum. Um, so an example of honoring the animal and giving them space is you know, snake may get in and eat one of my eggs or armadillo may root up one part of my garden or deer may eat some of my apples, but it's okay. I've got enough, you know, I have enough. And allowing them, spiritually inviting them to say, it's okay if you have this because I am provided for and in some ways you have provided for me. Um and, uh, you know, I, it's very much not being selfish, reminding yourself not to be selfish. And if you have space to create environment 
for the animals. Um, you know, you don't want to encourage raccoons going through your trash. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but if you have space to create a butterfly garden or, you know, a pollinator garden, um, do, do things that create a habitat for them because it's running out. Um, if you don't have space for creating a habitat and you can donate to a fund, um, you can do that. And if you don't have the means to do that, you are part of a greater existence. And if all you can do is set the intention that those animals who are physically here on this planet now have what they need and their habitat can be protected in some way, just set that intention. Spend five minutes every day setting that intention for them um, and speaking up for them because we we lose species every day almost um, that we don't even know about sometimes. And the planet will go on and it will create life regardless of whether or not we're here. And we're not going to destroy it. It's just going to make something new. But the species that we can honor and protect, um, I highly encourage, however you find fit, do that and honor them. Thank you. Beautiful. I think I'd like to, to finish on that honoring because that's something that's so key. I have so many more questions. Uh, I could go on for, for a long time. I just, maybe if you have a minute or two, just on that one question. Um, we also have the plant allies and the tree allies. Um, and we have had talks about that and we probably are going to have more talks about it, but um do you make differences between your animal allies and your plant allies about who you go to do you see big difference between the two or do you feel like no it's kind of like this family basically and this is my uncle and this is my aunt and they're just very different but uh, i know when i need to ask about that i go to my deer and if not i go to my poplar tree uh, on my oak tree. So I'm uh, just a little bit, just a few minutes on that. I'd love to hear your, your feelings on that and your experience on that. Um, yeah. So the, the plants, um, around the time that I moved here to the homestead, the plants really started opening up to me. Um, I actually had Amanda come and walk the property with me and, um, I learned a little bit about how to feel more comfortable with speaking to the plants and, realize that it's the same arena, you know, and it's okay to be a little nervous hopping in. It's just a, another side of the family. Like you said. Um, and so I do have certain plants that I go to um, that may help me in areas that I have not met an animal yet to address with that. Um, oh, I saw somebody. Can you hear me a little bit better? Yeah. Um, so there's that and also with stones, um, stones and plants and animals, um, they all have different talents and abilities or messages that they help me with. And in some cases, they'll all tie together. Um, so things like um, crow and juniper for me personally here on the property have tied together and taught 
taught me how to use them in conjunction for specific types of medicine for me personally. Um, you may have something like, uh, you know, amethyst and rabbit work really well for me. Um, so you can oftentimes go to just the plant or you can ask the plant and the animal to work together in a way, you know, the plants can be an ally to the animals. And that's what the stories tell us, you know, sometimes they don't work too well together. There's the story of when the, when the animals want to get rid of the humans and the plants say, whoa, 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 hold on. We're going to help you. <laughs> like we're going to help the humans. Um, so sometimes they work against each other, but uh, they can be, they are mostly allies that can, work together as a family. And it's just like you said, you know who to call for certain situations. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've become more comfortable with working with plants since I met Amanda. Thank you for that. And um, yeah, we had a, a beautiful uh, talk with Amanda and I'm sure, I, I think I want to bring the two of you together at some point and, uh, and, and have a discussion and, and bounce back the plants and the animals. Uh, thank you so much, Casey. I, I learned so much tonight. And yeah, there's many more questions. So with these recordings and for people that have joined live, you know, uh, you always have the opportunity to email us and to put question under the YouTube channels or the podcast or directly by email. Uh, we'll put details about Casey's work. And if you feel like you want to work with her and check out her uh, Patreon or meditations, you know, just, just go check it out. It's really beautiful. So I really encourage you to do that. I want to thank you so much, Casey, for all the wisdom you shared tonight. It got me really excited to keep, you know, going deeper with these animals. And thank you everyone that joined. And I'm going to leave you with the last word. So, you know, I'll let you close uh, the session tonight. And yeah, thank you so much, everyone. So for you, the last words, Casey, and thanks again. Thank you. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to be still this week. Find a moment to sit. And whether it's in your home or whether it's somewhere outdoors, allow yourself to sit quietly, close your eyes, take a deep breath. And allow yourself to drop into the body. Feel what it means to be human. Allow yourself to start with the gut. Moving up through the heart. And perhaps finishing with the mind. And remind yourself that you are the baby sister, the baby brother. And there are so many lessons waiting to be learned. So many messages, so much wisdom. And there's a line from a poem that I wrote recently that's coming forward. Um, it's not about animals, it's about water. You know, we're all part of, part of this water. Water is us, we are water. And in the poem, you are the water that was in the cloud, that was in the ocean, that was in the ancestor, that is you. 
You are timeless and endless and you are part of one. And so I just want to encourage you with that and remember that while you are having your human experience, you are so much more. You are so much more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Harmony and balance. Have a beautiful night and evening, everyone. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. You've been listening to The Sanctuary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're a source of talks about spirituality, personal transformation, energy healing, shamanism, and earth-based practices. For more, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. On the website, you can find out about our events, our retreats, healing offering, our spiritual blog, and you can also register for the newsletter. Again, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. Till next time, this is The Sanctuary Podcast, and Angel Deer signing off.